NFL season is officially underway, and the Cowboys kick things off tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Buccaneers team that they played at the first game of last season, a 31-29 loss, multiple kicks missed by kicker Greg Zerline, but things are different this season. The Cowboys have a new kicker, and they are missing multiple pieces, but the same can be said for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coming up, I will discuss the Dallas Cowboys offseason additions, and I will preview Sunday night's game next on The Wrap-Up. The Cowboys stayed pretty quiet this offseason, only picking up three pieces, defensive end Dante Fowler Jr., wide receiver James Washington, and running back Ryan Nall. The Cowboys, they don't historically do much in the offseason, so that obviously makes sense. But the real thing that happened this offseason was the Cowboys lost some major pieces. And the biggest of those was wide receiver Amari Cooper. The Cowboys traded wide receiver Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns for a fifth and sixth round pick. The Cowboys, they got to dump his salary, but they left Dak Prescott without his top target. So this season, there's going to be heavy usage of CeeDee Lamb, and I'm not quite sure if CeeDee Lamb is ready to be a wide receiver one. I think he definitely has that potential, and the Cowboys believe that he was being held back by Amari Cooper, so that was another big reason why they traded him. But I'm a little bit worried how they're going to start the season with no Amari Cooper. The other major headline from this past offseason with the Dallas Cowboys was them not re-signing defensive end Randy Gregory. So on the morning of March 15th, it was announced that Randy Gregory would be signing a five-year, $70 million deal with the Dallas Cowboys. And honestly, that was a really good deal for Randy Gregory, who was coming off a very good season. Him and Demarcus Lawrence had great years. Of course, Micah Parsons as well. And so it was a three-headed monster in Dallas. But about two, three hours after it was announced he was signing with the Cowboys, it came out that he was actually signing the same deal, five years, $70 million, with the Denver Broncos. The news broke later that day that Randy Gregory said that there was a clause thrown in his contract at the last minute, and that is why he didn't re-sign with the Dallas Cowboys. And things kind of trended that way for a couple of days. Yeah, you know, Randy Gregory, last-minute deal, and, you know, he just backs out because there was a clause thrown in there. However, turns out that wasn't true. The only player that does not have a clause in his contract for off-the-field issues is quarterback Dak Prescott. And that's because... He's not really a guy who is going to get into off-the-field issues. Randy Gregory is somebody that in years past the Cowboys have stood by him through his multiple suspensions due to pot usage. And of course they're going to add that clause in there because he has a history of off-the-field issues. Now the NFL no longer suspends for that, but the Cowboys still want to cover themselves. And so Randy Gregory decides to take the out, go to Denver, sign the same deal, five years, $70 million, and play for the Broncos rather than the Cowboys. Now, this made some Cowboys fans mad because Randy Gregory has been with this organization for years now, and the Cowboys have stood by him through every single suspension. They didn't cut him. They didn't let him go. And many people could argue that because the Cowboys stood by him, 
he was even able to sign with the Broncos. Who knows? Randy Gregory might not even be in the NFL. He could be like Josh Gordon, who was suspended with the Browns and has bounced around with Seattle, Kansas City, multiple different teams, and hasn't really found a set place. But Randy Gregory did. His set place was with the Dallas Cowboys. But ultimately, he chose to head over to Denver to play for the Denver Broncos. Now, there was another off-season potential drama. Demarcus Lawrence was looking for a new contract. He had a five-year deal a couple years ago, and this time he's just looking for a little bit of money. And the Cowboys, they want to help their cap situation. They offered him one year for $10 million. And he almost walked away from that deal. He said this in an interview. He was ready to walk away from the Dallas Cowboys. Just tell them, you know what? I feel insulted and I want you guys to cut me. But thankfully, Jerry Jones steps in. Stephen Jones was doing that deal. Jerry steps in and he says, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to give you a three-year, $30 million deal. So he's still getting just a little bit underpaid for a guy at his position. But he gets more stability, three more years with the Cowboys, He's getting more money, more guaranteed money. That's a big break for the Cowboys defense that would have had a ton of issues with no Randy Gregory and no Demarcus Lawrence. Those weren't the only losses that the Cowboys had this past offseason. The one major one was Cedric Wilson, who had a really good year for them. Six touchdowns last season. Big offensive player. He goes to the Miami Dolphins. They cut Blake Jarwin. They cut Greg Zerline. They cut Lyle Collins to free up $10 million in cap space. And that's a move that might be hurting them right now with Tyler Smith, the rookie, playing at left tackle for this first game tomorrow night. And then, of course, they let Connor Williams go, who led the team and was second in the NFL in penalties last season. Now let's move ahead to the NFL draft in late April. So the Cowboys went into the draft with quite a few holes that needed to be filled. The offensive line had some issues, the wide receiver room, tight end, some defensive spots had some issues as well. So with pick 24 in the first round, the Cowboys go out there and they get a guy, offensive tackle Tyler Smith from Tulsa. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I was not thrilled with the pick. I genuinely was not. I watched a lot of tape on him and the general consensus was that he was a second or third round player, not a first round pick. Now, I know the Cowboys are picking at 24, so it's the back end of that first round. However, they did have safety Jaquan Brisker graded higher than him. They had Brisker as a first-round pick. Brisker, of course, goes later in the first round to the Minnesota Vikings. The Cowboys, they go out and they get Tyler Smith, and Jerry Jones says a lot of really good things. They believe that he can be the next great offensive lineman. And what I will say is, when it comes to the Cowboys drafting offensive linemen, it's in Will McClay we trust. Because Will McClay has gone out there and gotten Travis Frederick. He's gone out there and gotten Zach Martin. He's pulled in some amazing offensive linemen that have done very well, and they've built the Cowboys' offensive line to what it is today. If we're being honest, Zach Martin is the best offensive lineman in the NFL. He has more Pro Bowls than he has holding penalties in his career. That's insane. So... The verdict is still out on Tyler Smith. He was third in the FBS in penalties last year. So the verdict's still out there. I'm hoping it's not an issue. The Cowboys led the NFL in penalties last season. So I'm hoping he gets that fixed. But he is going to be starting at left tackle tomorrow night against Tampa Bay. 
In the second round, a guy I really liked, a guy I knew they were going to take, defensive end Sam Williams from Ole Miss. Now, if you look at pictures of Sam Williams, he looks just like Micah Parsons. So why would you not want a guy that is just like Micah Parsons? Sam Williams, he's going to probably end up in a rotation with Dante Fowler and Chauncey Golston. But the Cowboys' defensive line is looking pretty darn good right now. You have to assume the starting line, Demarcus Lawrence, Osa Adigizua, Neville Gallimore, Dante Fowler, Sam Williams, whoever you want to throw there. That's a pretty darn good defensive line, not to mention, of course, Micah Parsons playing at linebacker, or as I like to call him, linebacker, because the guy plays all over the field. He doesn't really have a set position. So I really liked the Sam Williams pick. In the third round, they go out, they get Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver from South Alabama. I got the chance to watch him in Mobile. Really fun player. He had some issues in the preseason catching the ball, but let's not forget Jamar Chase had those same issues last year. I'm not saying he's going to be Jamar Chase by any means, but I think Jalen Tolbert's going to have a good rookie year. The fourth round, they address tight end. They get Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin. Really like him. He's a really good receiving tight end. He can also block. That's something that Blake Jarwin provided, so they fill that spot once again. They did also franchise tag Dalton Schultz, so he's going to be back for at least one more season as the two sides start to work towards a long-term deal. Then in the fifth round, the Cowboys, they go out and get offensive tackle Matt Willetsko, so they go back to the offensive line, and Willetsko is a beast. I mean, he's six foot seven from North Dakota. He's a raw prospect, so it's going to take a few years, but he's the perfect guy to learn under a Tyron Smith. And now, another offseason addition that they made, they bring in tackle Jason Peters, who I'll get to later. Moving on in the fifth round, the Cowboys had another three selections after Willetsko. The first of those, Duran Bland, the corner from Fresno State. So Duran Bland is one of those guys. He's the Dan Quinn archetype at corner. He's taller, six foot four. He's got long arms. The guy that Dan Quinn loves. A lot of people thought the Cowboys reached on him similar to the way people said they reached on Nation Wright. But Duran Bland had a really good camp, really good preseason, and he could end up starting because the Cowboys have a couple injury issues with corner right now. Moving on in the fifth round, they draft Damone Clark, the linebacker from LSU. So Clark, really good linebacker last year for the Tigers. Unfortunately, he has a spinal surgery in the offseason, so he's kind of working his way back from that, and that's a very dangerous, dangerous injury that he had, but he's still going to play football. He's going to do it at the highest level. Clark probably would have been a second-round pick if he doesn't get hurt, similar to Jabril Cox last year, who would have been a second-round pick, went to the fourth round. So Clark, if he comes back healthy and doesn't have any issues, he's going to be another really good linebacker for the Cowboys. With their final pick in the fifth round, they go out and they get an Arkansas guy, John Ridgeway, the defensive tackle. Ridgeway is just a monster. His nickname, the Vanilla Gorilla, absolute monster on the defensive line. He's going to be a guy, he's going to take a little bit of time to learn, but Jerry loves his Arkansas guys. That's where he went to college, and woo pig suey because John Ridgeway is going to be here for quite some time. With their final pick in the draft, the Cowboys got linebacker Devin Harper from Oklahoma State. Harper is going to be one of the special teams guys, and he had a really good preseason on special teams, and he ended up making the 53-man roster. In fact, the Cowboys' 20 picks 
over the last two NFL drafts all made the 53-man roster this season. So if that shows you anything, it is in Will McClay we trust. Moving ahead past the NFL draft, let's take a look at the Cowboys' undrafted free agent class. So they probably had the best undrafted free agency class in the NFL, and there's a couple of those guys that ended up making it onto the 53-man roster. And the first guy I'm going to discuss is safety Marquise Bell from Florida A&M. Marquise Bell is without a doubt one of my favorite players that the Cowboys got. So I projected him, and most people did project him as a draft pick, anywhere from round five to round seven. I would have loved him in round five, but he ends up going undrafted, and the Cowboys get him. The reason I love this guy so much is if you watch him on tape, he reminds me so much of Xavier Woods, a hard-hitting safety that's not afraid to get in there, and he can tackle, and he's going to hit. I mean, he is going to blow you up and make you regret some of your decisions. And Marquise Bell makes a 53-man roster. The Cowboys said that he's probably going to play in a Keanu Neal-type role where he's kind of a linebacker-safety combo, and so he gets to hit both of those spots. Another guy that made the roster, Peyton Hendershot, the tight end from Indiana. So this was the guy going into it. I really liked Hendershot. I've watched a lot of Big Ten football, so I'm used to him. And I wasn't sure what the Cowboys were going to do there, and they end up putting him on the 53-man roster. So the three tight ends they're carrying this season, Dalton Schultz, Jake Ferguson, and Peyton Hendershot. Another guy that made it from Western Illinois, the receiver, Dennis Houston. Houston had a phenomenal preseason, showing off that he can track that ball down, really good body control, and that's a guy that the Cowboys are going to need this year because the wide receiver room is very light. CeeDee Lamb is the only receiver the Cowboys have right now that has caught an NFL touchdown pass. James Washington has, but he's on the IR. And of course, Noah Brown, he's been with the team for years, but he has never caught a touchdown pass. And then you've got Jalen Tolbert, who's a rookie. So the Cowboys, they're going to be relying on some inexperienced guys, but luckily they have quarterback Dak Prescott at the helm. The Cowboys didn't just look to the college landscape to bring in a new receiver. They also looked to the USFL. The USFL came back finally after decades of not playing, and their MVP in the first year back was wide receiver Kevante Turpin. So if that name rings a bell, you might be a TCU Horn Frogs fan. And if you are, then you obviously know who Kevante Turpin was, a wide receiver for them a few years ago. Unfortunately, he was cut from the team because of some off-the-field issues and just never made it to the NFL. But he did get his shot in the USFL, and he was a star, winning the MVP, 500 receiving yards in a very short season. And he was the guy for the New Jersey Generals. And so the Dallas Cowboys in training camp go out, and they bring in Kevante Turpin. And my goodness, he lit it up, and he had quite the preseason. The big game for him was against the Chargers. He had a 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, and then later in the game, perhaps the most impressive return of the night, an 86-yard punt return taken all the way to the house. So a punt return and a kick return in the same game. And now he has changed the Dallas Cowboys special teams. Because the Cowboys have not had a returner like this since Deion Sanders. 
And the last time they had a true returner was probably Lucky Whitehead or Dwayne Harris a few years ago. But Cavante Turpin is already better than both of those guys were. He is going to be a critical piece to that special teams unit because football is a game of all three phases. Offense, defense, and special teams. And John Fossil is finally building up what might be a pretty good special teams unit. Now, of course, one special teams unit is pretty much only as good as his kicker. And so last year, the Cowboys had a ton of kicker issues. Greg Zerline lost them probably two or three games because he missed field goals. In fact, in his time with the Cowboys, he missed a field goal in about half of the games that he played. That is just unacceptable. So this past offseason, the Cowboys release him and fans rejoice. However, the Cowboys didn't have a kicker. So, after the draft, they go out, they get undrafted free agent Jonathan Garibay from Texas Tech. But they don't just get him. They also get a familiar face, Liram Hirolahu, who kicked in the Atlanta game a beatdown 43-3. The Cowboys win that game. Hirolahu, the kicker, because Greg Zerline out with COVID-19. Hirolahu comes back in, and him and Garibay have a kicking competition all camp. And it turns out that while Garibay was really good at Texas Tech, unfortunately he just couldn't cut it in the NFL, missed most of his kicks in camp. He ends up getting cut, so it's just down to Hirolahu. Now the Cowboys, they don't like not having a kicking competition in camp, so they bring back a familiar face. And that familiar face is Brett Maher. Now if you're new to Cowboys fandom, Brett Maher was a guy about three years ago the Cowboys had who would make a 62-yard field goal, and then in the same game, miss a 35-yard field goal. So you might be wondering, why can he make the big kicks, but not make the little ones? I genuinely have no clue. So the Cowboys, they go through all of preseason, get to that Chargers game, and they decide, Brett Maher is our guy. So the Dallas Cowboys will be using kicker Brett Maher for as long as they will this season, unless they decide to cut him at some point, which is highly possible. But as of now, Brett Maher technically is not on the team. He's on the practice squad, but I expect them to bring him back so he can play in tomorrow night's game. The Cowboys made two more moves before the season began. The first one coming before the preseason towards the end of training camp, they bring in linebacker Anthony Barr, who played for the Vikings last season and had a ton of experience with Cowboys senior defensive assistant George Edwards. Anthony Barr, he's only two years removed from a Pro Bowl season, and I don't think he's too far away from getting back up to those numbers. Plus, he's just a guy that adds depth to the linebacker room. So you've got Leighton Van Der Esch, you've got Micah Parsons, and now you have Anthony Barr as well. And then the other signing, I mentioned it earlier, offensive tackle Jason Peters. Jason Peters, he's 40 years old, played for Chicago last season, but he made his name in Philadelphia. He was drafted by the Bills as a tight end, but switched to tackle and absolutely dominated at the position, despite not knowing what he was doing when he first began. In Philadelphia, he wins a Super Bowl. He was their longtime tackle, a true cornerstone of that offensive line. He's 40 years old, yes, but Jason Peters is still really good. He played very well in Chicago last season, was a big piece on that offensive line, had a very good pass grade and rush grade in terms of blocking. And honestly, if he's not even going to play, 
he's a great guy to have there to teach these young guys in Terrence Steele and Tyler Smith. So there's a lot of experience on the offensive line. Tyron Smith, of course, so the reason that they have to go out and get Jason Peters, Tyron Smith tears his hamstring off of the bone, and he's not going to be back until at least December. He might miss the entire year. I wouldn't be overly surprised if he did, and I really wouldn't be shocked if he decides at the end of this year to retire as a Dallas Cowboy. He's had a really good career with them, 11 years in the NFL. He's been an amazing left tackle, one of the best in the game. But unfortunately, his body just can't hold up anymore. I think he's earned enough to be a Hall of Famer. And the Cowboys' offensive line from 2014 to 2016-18 was the best in the NFL. He was a big reason. Travis Frederick was a big reason. And of course, a guy that has stayed healthy, thankfully, Zach Martin, has been a huge reason as well that they were so good during that time. So the Cowboys, they've entered a rebuilding mode with their offensive line, and they're doing a good job of bringing experienced guys in to teach the young talent. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? The Buccaneers have had quite the offseason headlined by Tom Brady announcing his retirement. The 44-year-old quarterback, now 45, announced his retirement after the season ended, and that didn't last very long. Tom Brady stayed in retirement for a few weeks and ultimately decided, you know what? No, I want to come back to football and play again. And that's a move I wasn't overly shocked with. I didn't think that he would stay retired. Adam Schefter broke the news before he could even do it. And to be honest with you, I think that Brady only came back just out of spite because I think he wants to be the guy to announce, I am hanging up the cleats. This is my last year in football. I am done. He doesn't want a journalist coming out and doing it. But because Tom Brady retired, a lot of players left the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ronald Jones is gone, O.J. Howard, Jordan Whitehead. Rob Gronkowski announced his retirement as well, and he said that he is not coming back to football. Ndamukong Sue leaves. He's still a free agent, and Jason Pierre-Paul, both of those guys free agents still. But they haven't come back, and they played big parts on that defense. And then the big one is Alex Kappa, an offensive lineman, the center for them, a key piece. Tom Brady is without one of his best offensive linemen now, and that is a crucial loss for him coming back into this season as a 45-year-old quarterback. There have been reports recently there might be some trouble in Tampa. They bring in a couple really good players. They bring in Julio Jones. They bring in Russell Gage, Keanu Neal, a former Cowboy, Logan Ryan, and Shaq Mason. But that's not the issue. The issue, reportedly, is that Giselle, Tom Brady's wife, is not happy that he decided to unretire and return to football. And rightfully so. Football has been his life for the last 22 years. Really, the last 26, if you're counting college. And he just doesn't have time. I mean, football is a lifestyle that takes every day of the week and some of the offseason as well. So I'm sure that Giselle would love to have her husband at home. But he decides to come back to football. He took a two-week hiatus from the Buccaneers in training camp, did not announce why he was doing it. A lot of people said, oh, it must be the Masked Singer. But no, he comes out, he says, no, it was not the Masked Singer. I think there might be some issues in Tampa with Tom Brady right now. 
I don't know that mentally right now he is prepared to start the season, and that could be something that hurts the Buccaneers tomorrow night. And with that being said, for the Dallas Cowboys, here are my keys to victory. Number one, pressure Tom Brady. As I just mentioned, Tom Brady lost a key offensive lineman. That offensive line is not what it was last season. And the Cowboys almost won that game last year, 31-29. to I know the Cowboys, they're missing some pieces for tomorrow night. Michael Gallup is not ready to go, so their number two wide receiver is out. You've got CeeDee Lamb, Noah Brown, Simi Fehoko, Jalen Tolbert, Dennis Houston. You've got some options there. But still, the defense came back. They lost a couple pieces as well, but they're pretty much still together. J. Ron Curse comes back. Micah Parsons is, of course, still there. Demarcus Lawrence. You lose Randy Gregory, but I think you added some pieces that can fill in there. That defense needs to be ready to pressure Tom Brady and force him to make quick decisions. And if they can do that, I think the Cowboys defense is going to have a very similar game that the Buffalo Bills defense did on Thursday night, allowing only 10 points to the reigning Super Bowl champions. Number two, get Tony Pollard involved. The Cowboys, they have historically used the run game quite a bit over the past few years. Ezekiel Elliott being their rock, he gets the ball and he has 30 carries a game. Well, that's really not how the NFL does things anymore. It really is a running back by committee. And the Cowboys did not use Tony Pollard enough last year. He led the NFL in yards per touch last season at 6.6 yards per carry, per touch. And the Cowboys have to take advantage of him because he's in the final year of his rookie deal. And I don't know if he's going to come back next season. I wouldn't blame him if he didn't. Because there are so many teams that would use a guy like Tony Pollard the correct way. And that way is using him like Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel has really reinvented the position. He really created a position of his own. He refers to it as wide back, being both a running back and a wide receiver. And that's what Tony Pollard should be. He has a very similar skill set to Debo Samuel. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. And he was a guy last season... You throw him in there, and he has some really big plays for you. A 40-yard rushing touchdown, a 30-yard break here. Tony Pollard had a tremendous season last year in the few touches that he got. So if the Cowboys want a chance at beating Tampa Bay, they have to get creative with their play calling, and they have to use Tony Pollard. And number three, protect Dak Prescott. The Cowboys' offensive line has a couple question marks. It appears that the starting line for tomorrow night is going to be left tackle Tyler Smith, Left guard, Connor McGovern, center, Tyler Biotish, right guard, Zach Martin, and right tackle, Terrence Steele. So that right side of the line, of course, you have a future Hall of Famer, Zach Martin, there, but that is the strong side of the line. And that left side of the line, Dak Prescott's blind side, has to be able to hold its own. I just don't know if Tyler Smith is ready for the test of left tackle. He spent all camp at guard, and I know he played tackle in college, But that's almost a year removed. I just don't know if Tyler Smith is going to be ready at left tackle. The other reason that Dak Prescott needs protection is this past week at practice, he messed up his ankle again. Apparently he rolled his ankle, he's wearing new cleats, and it just didn't feel right. And so he sits out the rest of practice, and Cooper Rush gets the first quarterback snaps. They have to be able to protect Prescott because we've seen the Cowboys without Dak Prescott on the field. Yes, they beat Minnesota last season with Cooper Rush at quarterback, 
but one, that was a close game, and two, that game was really won by the defense, only giving up 17 points. And also, Amari Cooper had a big catch at the end of that game to win the Cowboys the game. I don't want to see the Cowboys have to play another game this season, or any season, without Dak Prescott. We have just over 24 hours until the Cowboys begin their 2022 NFL season, so just take a breath, breathe it all in, because football is finally back. It's a long season, 17 games, let's not overreact after one. Just take a deep breath, and if you want to keep updated on Cowboys news, make sure to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Wrap Up. And of course, if you don't already subscribe to this podcast, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Alec Rapp, and this has been The Wrap Up.